unitedinstitute.org podcast where we feature successful professionals and scholars. Welcome to the unitedinstitute.org world podcast. This is Jeffrey Nutt, your host. With me today and co-host Sadir Farjo is our esteemed guest speaker, Jim Stovall. Jim, it is great to have you with us today. It is wonderful to be with you, my friend. I appreciate it. And Jim is got so many accolades behind his name, it's hard to know where to actually begin. The founder, president of the Narrative Television Network, graduate of Oral Roberts University, Olympian, winner of an Emmy Award as well as, of course, a nationally known speaker, author of 30 books, six films, including The Ultimate Gift and some have seen probably a film that's out on the big screen uh, most recently, The Ultimate Legacy, with many mentors who have uh, been uh, featured in your book, uh, Millionaire Map, including the one and only Donald Trump among many of them. Jim, what else did you wish to add to your bio? We could go on and on and on. You know, that's probably more than anybody wants or needs to know about me. What do you currently do, Jim, with all of these various endeavors? What, what, what occupies your time in an average uh, week of time? Although I'm sure it changes and, and, and uh, fluctuates so greatly from moment to moment. It's, great. it's a great question, one that a lot of people ask. And, you know, I do five things. I do books, movies, television, speeches, and my syndicated columns each week. And I choose to look at it as a four-sided pyramid with a point on the top. And what I, whatever I'm doing at any point in time, that is the point which needs to support and be supported by all those things. But whether it's movies, TV, books, columns, or speeches, you know, I figured out a long time ago, Jeffrey, I'm in the message business. And as long as I remember I'm in the message business, things go really, really well for me. And when I forget that, I usually get to retract some of my steps and uh, try it again. So the short answer is I'm in the message business with five different ways of delivering that message. Fabulous, fabulous. And is there, is there what would you define as the message? Yeah, that we all have one God-given right, and that's the right to choose, and we are who we are, where we are in every area of our lives because the choices we've made in the past and once we accept that and own our past we unlock the key to our future because we change our life when we change our mind and whether it's your faith your finance your fitness your family anything that's going on in your world you change your life when you change your mind it all begins with that change of mind now, what would you say your most challenging professional or academic experience may have been, and what might you have learned from that experience, Jim? Great question. I, you know, I am a blind person, and so academic and professionally, a lot of things are not set up for me as a blind person. So I have to find unique and alternative ways to get to the place where everybody else goes. But the biggest challenge about blindness or any disability is not the fact that you can't see. It's the fact that people have no expectations of you. You know, we all live up to the expectation 
expectations we have of ourselves or those expectations that allow other people to place upon us. So when nobody expects anything of you, you have to become totally self-motivated. And uh, and that's a challenge on an ongoing basis. You know, Jeffrey, as talented and brilliant as you are, if you decided to stay at home and sit in a chair all day and listen to the radio, you know, friends, family, colleagues would come over and say, hey, you know, don't be a bum. Get up and use the talent that you've been given. As a blind person, if I do that, they probably think, you know, hey, it's great. He can play the radio. I mean, they have no expectation. So you have to become internally motivated, which uh, in the beginning was a challenge for me. Now that I'm able to do it, it's an asset. I expect uh, very uh, high things from myself, and um, and I usually receive those things. I mean, you and I both attended a university, or Robert University, and I'll never get on the basketball floor. I could still see some then. And one of the last things I ever remember is that expect a miracle. It says right there on the floor. And, um, you know, if you expect a miracle, you will uh, most likely find one. If you don't expect one, if you expect bad things or difficulties or challenges or whatever, you you'll pretty much find what you're looking for. That's, uh, uh, you know, you change your life, you change your mind and you start looking for different things, you'll find them. Yes, absolutely. I do remember those words on that basketball court. And I also know that you have spoken in so many different places, arenas like basketball arenas and other places with nationally known speakers, Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins and others. You've had occasion to speak, no doubt, about an aha moment that you may have had where a new insight dawned on you that you never had before. Can you tell us about a moment like that? After losing my sight, I moved into this little nine by 12 foot room in the back of my house. And I was 29 years old. I'd never met a blind person and I didn't have a clue what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And so I sat in my little room there with my radio and my telephone and my tape recorder. And that was my whole world. I really fully intended that I'm not leaving here. And, you know, the thought of running a, you know, television network with over a thousand stations or uh, writing books or making movies or talking to you in this interview would have seemed as foreign to me as going to the moon. And one day out of just sheer boredom or the whole, uh, you know, whatever I'm afraid of out there outside of my little room can't be any worse than living your life in this little space. I finally ventured out and, uh, the first day I walked out of my room, I walked 52 feet to the mailbox. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever done, you know, walking down my driveway and finding my way. And as I reached out my hand and I touched that mailbox, my foot touched the curb there right beside the street. And I discovered something that moment that I had never known, even though I had lived in that house for over a decade as a sighted person, I realized that I live on a miraculous street. Because that street that it had taken me months to get the courage to walk to, that street went down to the corner and intersected with another street and connected to another street. And I realized that street would take me anywhere in the world I ever wanted to go. My future began with right where I am. And, you know, everyone listening to us now, the, the, the important thing is realize that your future, your calling, your goals, your destiny in this life all begins with right where you are now. The road to anywhere you want to go starts right there. And as soon as you own that and uh, and uh, accept the fact that you are where you are, then great things can happen to you. Now, 
among these great things, you've had so many successes, Jim, over the years. It's just mind boggling to, to, to think of in so many different areas of life, from the athletic area to the entertainment area, to the, uh, to the motion picture area and the speaking area, obviously the books and all of that. What would you consider to be your greatest success? Well, you know, in business context, in those terms, I I would say creating the narrative television network out of my own blindness and frustration, not being able to access movies and television and uh, educational programming. We created a system of adding extra soundtracks to uh, to movies and TV shows and uh, and online videos and everything that makes them accessible to 13 million blind and visually impaired Americans and millions more around the world. And, you know, to me, to be able to do good work and make a difference and all together is a blessing. I, I, I now have a foundation and we do a lot of nonprofit work, but most of it is no more significant than what we do at the Narrative Television Network as a for-profit tax-paying entity. We help blind people uh, access movies and TV and blind children access educational programs in their classrooms and uh you know th at the end of the day that's that's probably my greatest accomplishment and it's opened the doors for all the other books and movies and speeches and everything else jim this is sidir here uh i had a question about the narrative television network i was wondering how did you execute on that uh it seems like such a hard and big uh well accomplishment i mean you you're saying i mean the all the places you were you've been narrating for all these television stations how 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 have you been able to do that like what what got you started um, other than of course your idea behind it well it was a challenge to say the least because uh what i did not know about uh, tv at that point would really amaze you i had no clue what i was doing and we started here in tulsa oklahoma that's not exactly the entertainment capital of the universe and but I had a mission, I had a goal, I had a calling. I felt it was my time to do this thing. And so I just would not take no for an answer. I called every network, I called every sponsor, I called every programmer. And I mean, I remember when we were looking for commercial sponsors, uh, I went and, uh, with a colleague that could uh, see and we found a book at the library called the top 100 advertisers in America. And I called all of them every day, you know, and I've had people tell me, you can't call a hundred people all every day. Sure you can. It takes uh, six and a half hours. I know that because I did it for months and I would call and call and call and call. And it was, you know, like most things, it was an exercise in persistence and commitment. And uh, it wasn't easy. You know, I mean, everybody wants to be there at the finish line, but they, they don't kind of want to be there when you go into the, the old spring training and those sorts of things. And, uh, you know, I was just committed that if I can't do this, I'm nowhere else to go. This is my deal. This I'm drawing a line in the sand. This I am going to make this happen. And I think so many wonderful things in people's lives happen when you just draw a line in the sand and say, this is it. I'm I'm doing this. And along the way, of course, you you obviously had occasion to reflect upon the various uh, leaders that you have admired along the way you've met some of them you've um, 
encountered some of them. Some of them have been mentoring you along the course of your career. And um, maybe we can talk more about that after we return from this break. We're going to have to just take a quick, quick uh, commercial break right now, and we'll be right back. Do you love your lawyer? Jeffrey G. Knott and Associates PLLC uses the law to help businesses and individuals throughout the world. Visit jnotlaw.com or call 248-220-1501. Unitedinstitute.org is pleased to offer a series of self-paced online courses and simulations that help professionals become effective, productive, and creative. Visit unitedinstitute.org. Welcome back to the unitedinstitute.org world podcast. With us today, continuing with us, is none other than Jim Stovall, the author, speaker, and creator of films and books and the Narrative Television Network. We're continuing our discussion with Jim. We were talking a little bit about how he had the, the, the through sheer grit and determination, he got the network up and running, calling as many as 100 or, or more uh, advertisers in a single day uh, to be able to get the network off the ground. That was his passion. That was his challenge uh, when he was forming his career earlier on. And, and uh, Jim, you've had so many different mentors. One of the things that I, I was struck by when I looked at your book and read through the Millionaire Map were the number of mentors that you have had over the years. Can you tell us just a little bit about your mentors? Well, I believe in a concept I call the dream team. And, uh, uh, you know, anytime you're going into something, uh, uh, you, you, you want to surround yourself with great minds and people who have been where you want to go. Don't ever take advice from anyone that doesn't have what you want. And you mentioned the Millionaire Map book. That was one of the most difficult of all the books I've written because I had just written this statement about my journey from poverty to prosperity. And I wrote, don't ever take advice from anybody that doesn't have what you want. And I went home and I told my wife and family, I said, I got to do something really difficult here. Uh, I've got to follow what I just said. And so I went to Bank of America and, and Merrill Lynch and asked them to do an audit on my investment holdings. I mean, not my company not the network, not all my books and royalties in the movies, just cash on hand and investable securities to verify that I had in excess of $10 million and I'd started with nothing. And we printed that in the book. And that is, you know, here in, uh, in our society, we don't talk about religion, sex, or politics. And, uh, and our personal finances are totally taboo. And, um, but I felt like I, you know, I needed to do that. And, you know, so when I looked for my mentors, don't ever take advice from anybody that doesn't have what you want. So when I started in the television industry, I thought, okay, who's an innovator? Who has made a difference? Who has made more changes and developments and advances in TV than anyone? And at that time, it was Ted Turner. And I wrote him a letter at one CNN Plaza, Atlanta, Georgia, and told him what I wanted to do. And he be he came on my advisory board and remains there today, 26 years later. And, uh, He's been a great advisor, a great mentor to me. And then when I went into the financial realm, I thought, uh, you know, who would be that person? And the first name that came to mind was Steve Forbes. And uh, uh, we've done several books together. And uh, then in entrepreneurship, 
uh, Donald Trump is a great developer and uh, just creator of brands and all the things Trump has done. And, uh, uh, you know, either side of the political spectrum you find yourself upon, you, you've got to agree that Trump is in a, a force of nature in the business community. And in, then in leadership and development, Coach John Wooden became a great mentor of mine, and we lost him four months before his 100th birthday. And uh, right up until the end, he was productive and making a difference and uh, just an amazing, amazing mentor. So, you know, I, I believe in asking the best people you can find uh, to to come around you and, and if you reach out to people sincerely and make it easy for them to do this. Uh, you'll find that people will, will, will help you with your goals, your your dreams, your aspirations. Jim, I have a question. How how I guess uh, how do you reach out for somebody who like doesn't under, do, doesn't know how to even start to reach out to these people? I mean, uh, what's the best way to reach out to people like nowadays to help you know to, for them to become uh, your mentors? Well, I I think you know you need to keep it brief, keep it simple. There are a number of um, online databases you can you can get you can subscribe to and i mean you know it you're able to get to anybody in the world if it's a media person you you may have to go through their media outlet or if it's an author or someone that's published you may have to go through their publisher uh but uh you can get to anyone i still prefer when you know this isn't a casual thing i'm not asking a guy for lunch here or something i'm asking would you advise me and be my mentor and give me the benefit of your thoughts and so I generally write a one-page letter, snail mail, send it to them. And, you know, and I make it very clear. I need your help. I need some brief advice. Uh, I'll come anywhere, anytime in, in, you know, in the next 90 days. I need 20 minutes of your time. And, you know, if you want to meet at the North Pole at 4 in the morning, I'll be there. And so you, you take wow. the date and time and, and those kind of conflicts off the t table. And. You know, and with a lot of them, in the beginning, we started with faxes. Now we use email, of course. But, you know, I just say, here's what we're planning to do. Here are the criteria I'm basing it on. What are your thoughts? And, you know, in a minute or two during their own time, when they have freedom, they can say, it looks great, or I have a real problem here, or have you thought of this, or you need to talk to so-and-so over here. And it's amazing what you can do. And, you know, I try to do the whole thing so it is easy and convenient for them. And, you know, I have 10 million books in print now among all my titles and uh, my phone number and email addresses in every one of those. And so I'm contacted by hundreds and hundreds of my readers around the world. And many of them want me to help them. And I try to do that. But I always tell them, you're going to have to make it easy for me and you're going to have to drive the relationship. I mean, don't expect me to chase you down and, and, and make sure you're diligent. Uh, you need to do what we talked about and then get back to me and tell me what do you need next. You need to be brief, concise, and respect my time. And that's what I try to do with the people that mentor me. I, I make it very easy for them. I mean, they can be my mentor and advise me in, uh, you know, an hour or two a year, literally. You know, you know, as simple as we're thinking of acquiring this programming, what do you think? Great idea or bad idea or have you thought of this instead and uh and try to make it easy that's another that's definitely another roadmap for for those of us who are eager to do exactly that that's fabulous advice thank you so much for that guidance jim and now what would you consider at this moment to be 
perhaps your greatest challenge, would you say, Jim? Staying focused on what I do. You know, when I first started out, nobody wanted me to do anything. Now everybody wants me to do everything. And there are a lot of good things out there that I need to say no to so I can do the great things I'm supposed to be doing. And, and, and the things are not necessarily bad things. They're just not my thing. I mean, there's, there's a many, many opportunities out there where I could invest my time, my money, efforts, and energy that are they're just not my thing. Uh, that's not my calling. It's someone else's. And, uh, and it's hard to say no to those because I spent so many years trying to get anybody to do business with me that uh, now that people want to, I have to say, you know, that's not my thing. So I try to keep very focused on my personal and professional mission statement and um, so, you know, it's, I don't have to do the, the analysis and due diligence on everything that comes into my office a dozen times a day. I just have to say, does that fit who I am? We've decided who we are. Does that fit or not? That's yes or no. And the vast majority of them, I just have to say, thank you for thinking of me. Uh, we're not in position to take advantage of that. But uh, uh, probably the biggest challenge is just simply to stay focused on what it is I'm trying to do here. And on a personal note, what might be your personal mission statement? I got this from my grandmother. Uh, she was a very vital lady in my life and uh, helped me in many, many ways. And uh, near the end of her life, uh, I made arrangements so she could stay at home with hospice people and everything. And and she didn't want to die in the hospital. And uh, one night I came to visit her. She lived in another state. And I, I came in and her nurse said, well, she's already asleep. And she said, your grandmother is so proud of what you do. I said, she didn't even know what I do. She has no clue what my business is. And she said, she has a picture of you next to her bed holding your Emmy Award. And everybody that comes into this house, doctors, nurses, everybody, she shows them the picture. And she says, that's my grandson. He does two things. He helps blind people see te television. And he travels around the world telling people they can have good things in their life. And if I live to be 140 years old, that's what you'll find me doing, helping blind people to see and telling folks they can have good things in their life. And to the extent that something fits that, that's what I do. Everything else, um, it's just, they're great things, they're just not my things. Wow, that's profound. That is fabulous, that is Absolutely. tremendous. And so then in terms of your business, your business mission statement, Jim, you have a, uh, pretty much the same. We are in the business of making visual media accessible for blind people, and we are in the business of helping people capture a vision for their life. So we're in the vision business. We help people who can't see, hear what they can't see, creating a vision, and we help people who want to achieve things uh, live the vision they have for their life. It's, it, we're in the vision business. And what one thing would you say you're the most passionate about now? I mean, I know that you and Crystal have been, a, been together married for all these years, and so you could talk about your recent anniversary, but <laughs> go ahead. Tell us what you're most passionate about now. <laughs> well, obviously, that has been the blessing in my life. And, uh, you know, I have a poster at home one of my first employees gave me, and it's in my office at home. It's a foot wide and about four or five feet long. And she found a frame to fit that. And at the top, it says success is colon. And then it lists a hundred things. 
that success is. But number one is marry the right person. And I got to tell you, if if you do that, the world is fabulous. And if you don't do that, uh, if not impossible, it's certainly an uphill climb, no matter what you're in. And I married the right person. When I had nothing, I had no hope, nothing. Uh, she believed in everything about me. And if you want to give somebody a gift for life and a gift for living, just believe in their dream. And she always did and uh, still does. And uh, she's uh, uh, just been marvelous. She helped me start my company and stayed with me till I could make other arrangements. And, and now she, uh, I told her, once you get me there, you can do whatever you want to do. So she plays tennis in a USTA league. She, uh, uh, goes to Italy twice a year and spends several weeks and she got her degree in Italian and she goes to New York and, uh, shops and visits her family there. And, the, you know, you may have heard the president has a economic stimulus package. It's nothing compared to crystal. She, she's out stimulating the economy and she's really focused in the retail sector down there in the fifth Avenue in New York and doing a fine <laughs> job stimulating the economy over there. So, uh, so that's my, you know, my first passion. I, I mean, uh, it's made everything possible. And then just, I come to work every day and there's three groups of people I worry about. Number one are the people that read my books, my columns, uh, sit in my speeches, uh, the people that watch narrative television, all those people. Number two are the colleagues I work with here at, at the office to, to make sure they reach all of their personal professional goals. And then number three is me. And if I, if I take care of one and two, number three doesn't even matter. If I take care of the people I serve and the people that help me serve them, Jim gets everything he wants. But if I start worrying about me, everything gets out of order and nothing works. Uh, you know, business is not about making money. It's about creating value. And the more value you create in the lives of more people, the more money you make. And, you know, but people who want money first are like the guy standing in front of the fireplace, you know, saying, give me some heat and then I'll throw in some wood. I, you know, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Now, you've mentioned you've got more than 10 million books in print. Can you recommend a book to our listeners? It could be one of yours or it could be someone else's, whichever you would please. Well, you know, in, in the success realm, if you're only going to read one book outside of the scriptures, uh, you, you, you have to read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Hill was the, uh, you know, wrote the book in 1937. And if you ask successful people, uh, Fortune 500 CEOs, self-made millionaires, billionaires, uh, more of them will tell you that book influenced them more than any other title. And I do a lot of work with the Napoleon Hill Foundation. I have a new book coming out later this year in conjunction with him. I'm writing Homecoming Historicals. Uh, I put uh, historical figures into modern day high school settings and uh, create movies and novels, but also a great teaching experience. And uh, the one coming out this fall is called Top of the Hill. And it's about Napoleon Hill High School and uh, what the kids learn there through their own crisis in their town and their school and how they learn that the, the lessons of Napoleon Hill are true. and the Hill Foundation allowed me to use all 17 of his success principles in each of the 17 chapters. And uh, so I think if you're only going to read one book, you read uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I'm also uh, uh, part on screen and uh, behind the camera with a 
documentary that will be out this fall, a movie called Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy. And uh, I, I think that is just an amazing text, uh, uh, both for when it was written and uh, how great it is. Uh, all of us who write owe that man a great debt of gratitude because, uh, you know, we stand on those shoulders. I mean, uh, you know, he didn't have a Napoleon Hill to draw from. He, he, he uh, um, you know, but he, and he went to Andrew Carnegie who founded us steel and said, how do you become rich? And, and uh, he was 20 years old and Carnegie told him, uh, uh no one has ever done that, but if you'll de dedicate the next 20 years of your life, I'll put you in front of the people that can tell you. And he had 500 interviews with people like Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, Alexander Graham Bell, uh, and on and on and on, 500 of those. And out of that, he synthesized those success lessons into Think and Grow Rich. So it's, it is the best of the best. If you want to read one of my books, um, by far the best-selling book and the one that's had the most influence around the world is The Ultimate Gift. Uh, it spawned um, three other uh, books and a movie trilogy that all together has grossed over $100 million. And it has opened so many doors for me around the world to do other movies and other books. And, uh, yeah, it's a little story I wrote called The Ultimate Gift. Awesome, awesome. You know, speaking of Napoleon Hill as well, um, and, of course, many of us saw The Ultimate Gift uh, in, the, in, the, in theaters and um, – purchased our own copies uh, of the DVDs and so forth. But uh, can you um, help me understand when did Napoleon Hill uh, ultimately pass away, Jim? I know I'm putting you on the spot with that question, but was it in the, was it in the, um, might've been um, uh, in the, in the late eighties or, 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 or. No, he died in 1970. Oh, 1970. Okay. Um, and he, I have a unique, when I was at Oral Roberts University, and was losing my sight, my mentor was introduced to me by my father, a guy named Lee Braxton. And Lee, first thing he did was made me read Think and Grow Rich three times. And and that was a struggle for me because I was losing my sight. And he didn't care. He said, read this three times. And that became the basis for our mentorship. Well, I thanks to his mentoring, I became very successful. And when I wrote The Millionaire Map, I wrote about Lee Braxton. And then I got contacted by the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Don Green, who's president of that, contacted me. And he said, did you know that your Mr. Braxton was best friends with Napoleon Hill? And he actually gave the eulogy at Napoleon Hill's funeral. I had no idea of that. And since then, the foundation has sent me hundreds of letters. The two, uh, Dr. Hill and Lee Braxton, uh, exchanged over several decades. And I am taking those letters and sometime in the next few years they will be released into a book uh, called napoleon's bridge of how uh, mr braxton was my bridge to napoleon hill and all the years i knew him, he, he never told me he had a personal connection with hill i think because i was a skeptical teenage kid and uh you know if he'd have said this is a book my best friend wrote i don't think i'd have paid much attention to it and uh and but when he told me this is a book that more successful people have read than any other book, it, it, it worked for me. And only later did I find out that uh, they were best friends. Looking at your uh, book coming out in the fall, like in the fall or winter, uh, Top of the Hill, the one that you mentioned earlier, 
regarding Napoleon Hill. Is, is that like a novel? That that book is a novel. It takes place at a high school called Napoleon Hill High School in uh, Virginia, and within 10 or 12 miles of the birthplace of Napoleon Hill. And uh, some young people have a crisis in that school, and uh, they have to draw on uh, the success principles of Hild in order to save their school and their town. And, uh, and it's one of a series of books I'm writing now called Homecoming Historicals. The first one took place at Harry Truman High School, and it's called One Season of Hope. And then uh, we're working on right now a book and movie on the life of Will Rogers, and it's called Will to Win. And then I'm doing uh, Mark Twain, Making Your Mark, and uh, Making of a King with Martin Luther King. And all of these are, they take place at fictitious high schools that are named after uh, uh, the hero in our story. And it's a modern day kid. So it's, you know, I was very pleased to take, in this case, Napoleon Hill's message and, uh, kind of bring it into the 21st century and make it relevant for adults and, uh, and, and kids. Fabulous. What kind of um, electronic or online type of resource, uh, resource might you recommend to our listeners? Jim, who may wish to pick your brains about that? Well, you know, obviously we do a lot of work online at, uh, at Narrative TV. But uh, I have a, a book I wrote called Ultimate Productivity. Uh, Steve Forbes wrote the foreword to it. Uh, it's been re-released as the uh, Art of Productivity and updated. But you can go, to, there's an online profile uh, Steve Forbes and uh, Coach Wooden and I put together. And you go to ultimateproductivity.com and the code, it'll ask you for a code. It doesn't cost you anything. It's 586404. And it lets you answer a series of questions based on your own preferences in motivation, communication, and implementation, and then it will it will give you a report uh, about your strengths. It's it's important that you understand those for yourself and everybody you work with, because there are people that are motivated by money, by title, by awards, by inclusion. There are people that communicate in writing. Some are better verbally. Some have to say it back. Some have to see it. There are people who implement one at a time. There are those that multitask. There are those that work as part of a group. There's those that have to be a loner and then bring their component to the project. And they're all valid, but if you don't know that about yourself and the people you work with, you'll have people playing out of position. Uh, Coach Wooden, Coach, one of the greatest basketball players ever, uh, among them was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He took him as a teenager and turned him into uh, arguably one of the best players ever. But he said, you know, you had to get Kareem in the right position. You get him out, out of position, uh, he's ineffectual. He, he becomes average or even below average. But in his position, he becomes very strong. I have people in my company that when they're in their position, playing to their strength, they're some of the best people in the world. But, uh, you know, if you get them in a bad situation where they can't perform, they're not. I, I was an Olympic weightlifting champion and you find out no matter how hard you train, you have a very narrow range of motion within this little tiny groove. I was at one point, the third strongest guy in the world. And within this little tiny group, you get me an inch out in front of that or an inch behind that. And I become really average really quick. So you, you find out where your strengths are. You stay within those strengths. And, and, and the, the productivity profile is allows you to kind of do that in your personal professional life and find out where are your strengths and uh, 
you can kind of focus in those areas. And that uh, code that you give you gave out was five eight six four zero four. Was that right? Right. Ultimateproductivity.com five eight six four zero four is your code. It's absolutely free. Fabulous. Now, how might people best contact you, Jim? Um, you know, the website is Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, jimstovall.com. You can email me, jim at jimstovall.com. Uh, you can call 918-627-1000, and the phone's answered around the clock uh, by real-life people, and uh, I return all my calls. So uh, uh, it's something we've committed to here as a team, and uh, and uh, we're going to continue to do that. Tremendous. Well, this has been absolutely awesome to have you today. Jim Stovall, our guest today on the United Institute World Podcast. We are just so happy and honored that you've been able to join us today, Jim. And we definitely want to see what we can do to have you back another time sometime. But um, thank you so much for taking so much of your time out of your very busy schedule to be with us today on the UnitedInstitute.org World Podcast. Jim Stovall, it, thank it's you. A, it's my honor. Thank you.